I see you're taking a Zoom meeting in this coffee shop. An open letter by Matt Ruby. That's me. Hello, I've noticed that you've decided to... Conduct a Zoom meeting, take a phone call, or play music or a video game with the sound on. Inside this... Coffee shop, train car, airport terminal, or other public area. I understand you're doing something that's important and or entertaining to you. Unfortunately, I must confront you with an unpleasant reality. Other people exist. I know, I know, I know. This, this can feel confusing. I mean, most of our lives nowadays are lived in a cocoon where we can do anything we want whenever we want. Locked into your phone, AirPods, or laptop. It can be easy to feel like you're the only person in the world that matters. Oh, what's that? Oh, yeah, you need to reply to that text. Yes, sure, I can wait. Uh, okay, where were we? Uh, oh, yeah, I was explaining that you're in a public place and there are other people around. And a group of human beings working together, we've formed this thing called a society. And collectively, we've decided that in order to have a functional society, we all need to participate in this pesky thing called the social contract. Yeah. Basically, that means we all need to also consider other people's feelings. It's like the opposite of what happens when you stare at your phone. Yeah, but like, what about freedom? Freedom, you say? Well, humans, though free, still need to respect each other. A guy named John Locke wrote all about that. But, you know, I have rights. True. However, individual rights must at times be subordinated to the general will. That's according to this French dude named Jean-Jacques Rousseau. What about them over there, though? They're having a conversation. Yeah, but they're doing it at a normal volume, which keeps their words contained. It's called an inside voice. While you are projectile vomiting your preferences all over this communal space. I don't know why I should care about you, though. Like, I just care about me. Well, we don't care about you either. It's kind of a stalemate. Yeah, but, like, what I'm doing isn't any of your business. Well, it wasn't, but then you made it my business by inflicting your... Job interview. Opinions about the summer I turned pretty. Or favorite Travis Scott track. Upon me without my consent. It's about self-regarding versus other-regarding actions. Now, self-regarding actions, those are ones that only harm yourself... Or, if it does harm someone else, it does so with their consent and participation. Now, other regarded actions are ones that harm others who are not rational or free or giving consent. According to John Stuart Mill, we cannot interfere with self-regarding actions under any circumstances. But society can interfere with other regarding actions if it chooses. And in this case, consider me an ambassador for society. And thus, I am interfering like a cornerback forced to defend Rob Gronkowski on a hook route. Look, I get it. Concerning other people is very inconvenient. And I'm sure you are... Important at work. Have great taste in music. Or need to stop Alec Trevelyan from activating GoldenEye's satellite laser in a final attempt to get his revenge on MI6. Maybe you even think other people want to... Here you discuss digital marketing strategy. Find out what happened on your date last night. Or listen to Kid Rock sing... But I can assure you, we don't. In short, can you please shut the hell up? We'd all appreciate it. Now, moving on. You, guy over there eating his bagel and locks with a knife and fork. What the hell is your deal? 
And now let's bring in producer Jeremiah McVeigh. Hey, so I think I have a story that connects with this about people out in public thinking they're the main character. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's call it that. Uh, And I feel kind of bad about this because I do truly feel bad for these people. I want to preface it with that. So I went to see Oppenheimer uh, with my wife and my father-in-law recently. There's these two guys that arrive at the movie a little after us. And we realize that they have a baby with them, like a little baby. I'd be surprised if six months old. So obviously thinking, great. Three hour <laughs> movie. Three hours. <laughs> yeah, three hour, very intense, immersive movie. That's This is going to go well. They kind of take turns, it seems like, leaving the theater and coming back with the baby as the baby gets a little restless. And I'll, I will admit that um, for a baby in a three hour movie, they they were doing pretty well. The baby was. I, I didn't have the highest, um, you know, opinion of of the two adults that brought the baby there. Um, but whatever. Um, then, like about two hours into this three hour movie, um, we hear a little bit of a stir or something behind us, and my wife uh, finally turns around and says, "And it's in this IMAX, like really." steep seating thing so she's like looking up at these guys and says can you please stop i can't focus on the movie and uh and this one guy like leans over and is like i'm so sorry i'm gonna leave um i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and we're like "Uh, okay (laughs) and and so he gets up and leaves and then the other guy leans over and says i hope you're happy his wife died five days ago and um, he was having a panic attack and asked if he could hold my hand. And we were just like, did we know that? Like, we didn't know any of this. We were just like hearing people talk behind us. We couldn't hear what you were saying exactly or anything. How is like, like I feel bad for him, but what is going on here? <laughs> and so th- then this guy's like, we're going to leave now. So I hope you're happy again. And he gets the baby. He walks partway down his aisle um his row and comes back and says bad people and like is like leaning over us yelling at us like bad people i can't believe you did this and what had you actually done you asked them to be quiet yeah that's it okay and um then this guy is like yelling at us about how we're such bad people for treating his friend so poorly uh again don't know the guy didn't know his situation Um, and feel bad for him that his wife died. So then he is like leaving the theater, gets partway, halfway down the stairs, and just turns around and just starts staring at us like daggers. Oh, and these are the guys with the baby, or these are other people? These are the people with the baby. All right. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand what was going on. But it, I, to me, this was such an essential, like, you guys don't understand that there are other people and we don't know what is going on with you. Like we don't know. We would care if we knew because it's a tragic circumstance. It sounds like, but how, how are we to know? It was just the weirdest experience maybe I've had at a movie. So, yeah, I mean, well, let's preface everything with the fact that they have a tiny baby and that someone just died. Doesn't make them the perfect villains in general. So it's like, we can't, but all, I, like to me, once you enter into a movie theater, now we've entered into a different realm where this isn't all about you. They're like it doesn't. Yeah. I'm sorry you don't have anyone to watch your baby, but this isn't like you need to go to the emergency room. This is a movie, and so just right. don't go to the movie with your baby. That's 
that's the first thing. And yeah, of course, no one knows that this dude's mom died or whatever it was and her wife. His wife. All right, yeah. whatever it is, then like, you know, sorry, man, but like, that doesn't mean you get to talk in a movie theater. Also, none of us knew about it. Like the whole thing is, uh, yeah. And I, I think this is like, if we can zoom out a little bit, I think it's emblematic on some level. Uh, yet another example of how pandemic kind of broke us. Not not yeah. that we were doing great at all this stuff before, but I think definitely you see post pandemic, all these people freaking out at flight attendants on flights at sporting right. events. You saw like fans like dumping popcorn on players and doing stuff that they, you know, hadn't done before, but now happening on like a regular basis. And it just seems like, you know, whatever technology had been pushing to with like putting us all in our little bubbles, pandemic, just like put that all on steroids and coming out of it. Like a lot of people are having a tough time like uh, kind of, you know, putting together that like, oh, yeah, there's other people on the planet and that we're a society and that we all have to cooperate on some level in order to function and that you can't yeah. just do whatever you want, whatever you want, wherever you want, even though it's what you want to do. Mm hmm. Yeah, planes are definitely a mess. I think you're right. Movie theaters beyond our experience, like there's been a whole debate on what used to be Twitter X now, I guess. Is it OK to look at your phone? during a long movie and like no it's not it's just not okay like it's not okay what the hell is wrong with people but i think that's another thing that like i think that was already happening before the pandemic as technology changed and people were becoming more anchored to and by their phones sure. but i feel like people came out of the pandemic just expecting to be able to do things in public that they were doing at home. And it's like, no, that's not the way this works. Yeah. Society, as you said. Well, and also yeah. you're just constantly in a bubble of things that are for you or about you, uh, or that an algorithm has decided, you know, you're going to like, and you're just constantly sort of like kind of spoon fed things all the time. And the problem mm -hmm. with other people is that they're a source of friction and that they disagree right. and what they want isn't what you want. And, you yeah. know, uh, I think you even see this in dating now, this, you know, everything's like an ick or a red flag or all this other stuff. And, you know, it's like, okay, that's great. But the flip side of it is like, we have this loneliness epidemic and sex recession and no one knows how to date. And, uh, you know, the, uh, people are, you know, having all kinds of issues around that. And so I, I, to me, it all ties together with like this idea that like, we're so used to getting what we want all the time when we're just like looking mm -hmm. at screens that then when we have to interface with real human beings, we're like, uh, this, this is, this app isn't doing what I want it to do. <laughs> like, like right. the, I, I went to the preferences screen and I, I checked the boxes that I wanted and th this human being is not doing the things that I checked off. And I, I think, uh, as a society, it's something that seems to be getting worse and worse. And, uh, you know, I, 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 and this is, you know, for me, it's just like I work out of coffee shops on a regular basis. And uh, it was something I never saw before pandemic. And now I regularly see people taking Zoom meetings and just, and not even realizing oh, really? how much louder they sound than just a normal person having a conversation uh, and how much it sort of like isolates them from everything in their surroundings. Their environment just gets completely like sort of mm -hmm. tuned out. The people around them, anything else that's going on because they're so locked into their screen and you know, when you're on a Zoom meeting, you you kind of are performing a, 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 at a low level rate all the time of like nodding your right. head and being like fake smiling and and waving and all that stuff. And it's uh, I, I think people are just sort of so consumed into the virtual world that they're being part of that they're not thinking about the actual world that they're sitting in. 
Well, I have a question for you. Um, you know, having lived in New York, but not being there now, and all my living there was before the pandemic, how do you think this falls against New York? Do you think it is something that happens more in New York because people are around each other out in public more? Or do you think it's actually something that because people are out in public around each other more, they know that there's this expectation. So these are outliers in New York and they're just noticeable because there's more people or something. Like, what do you think it is? Sure. I mean, I think um, with the Zoom meetings and coffee shop, I try to like have some some amount of compassion or empathy. And I'm like, I think about how many people live with like three roommates in like some tiny True. apartment where like maybe they literally can't be taking a work call because their roommate is doing Pilates or whatever. So on some level, I think there's some amount of like, well, I can't be home. So I have to do this out in public. Uh, right. Like this is me trying to like project, okay, like if you had to come up with an excuse. Um, but overall, I think New Yorkers are actually really good with dealing with other people. I think it's part of what you have to do to live in New York. There's a choreography mm -hmm. to how you get on and off the subway, to how you go up and down staircases or ride an elevator or be a pedestrian on the sidewalk. And uh, we are constantly sort of forced into an awareness of other people for, you know, as David Cross says in a bit, it, it could be the craziest person you've ever seen or the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. And you have to decide which one you want to look at. And we're kind of <laughs> confronted with that all the time. And I think sometimes, you know, when New Yorkers get a, a, a bad rap for like being assholes or being inconsiderate, it's usually because someone from not from here isn't fitting into that choreography. Like they're blocking the right. staircase. They're trying to get on the train before people get off. There are four people walking horizontally on the sidewalk. That's when New Yorkers really do have attitude is when you're interrupting the flow of being in the city because we're all in a rush and trying to get somewhere. But overall, yeah. I think there's sort of like this uh, forced empathy in some way or forced acknowledgement of other human beings that happens just because there's so many around and they're on top of you and you're going to have to deal with it in some way. Uh, so I, I guess it's a, a bit of a mixed answer of like, uh, we can't be at home, so we have to be out. But generally speaking, I think we're pretty good at being around other people and navigating other people in a way that keeps the city like flowing and, and you know, circulating in a way that I think in a lot of other areas of this country, at least people would, would not be capable of doing. And that's where people are right. moving slower, or doing their own thing, or just sort of like operating in a bubble. And I think this impacts a lot of the politics that we see too, of like how people in urban areas think in a more collective sense and like are, are mm -hmm. sort of more open to uh, things that involve the social contract and people in rural, rural areas who have lots of space are really obsessed with freedom and not having anyone ever tell them what to do and like being able to protect themselves however they want. Um, so I think you get, you know, I'm a big believer that sort of geography determines attitude. And so I think in a way from, from just, uh, you know, are you in an urban or rural area? I, I see the logical conclusions that you might make that would extend to how you feel about politics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to your point, I, I've always thought that anyone who goes to a city like New York and sees the people there generally as rude or being a-holes or whatever, that they're completely overlooking a generosity and consciousness that people have there that they're just not in tune with. It's not something that is a, that is visible to them because they haven't had to live it. Yeah, it's a, it's and, a good point. Yeah. I like the in tune with. Yeah, because I think 
if you're blocking New Yorkers as a pedestrian, well, New Yorkers will get furious with you. If you're lost and need help and ask a New Yorker how to get somewhere, I think overwhelmingly you'll get positive, kind responses. And now for some quickies. How come I'm supposed to believe the government when they tell me there are aliens? It's like, make up your mind. I'm starting to think that most painters are in it just so they can wear those jeans with paint stains and have people ask them about it. The other night at midnight at Penn Station in New York City, all of the Metallica fans were coming home from the stadium in Jersey, and they collided with all of the Fish fans coming home from Madison Square Garden. It was a real scrum, let me tell you. I'm just kidding. It was just drunk fantasy football bros wearing black saying, excuse me, to stoned accountants wearing tie-dyes. You can subscribe to or follow this show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. And when I say that, I mean, like, leave it a good review. I feel like that's obvious, but if, you, if you're just going to leave it a bad review, you, you don't have to. Anyway, it helps others find the show, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at mattruby at hey.com. That's mattruby at H-E-Y dot com. And if you like this podcast, you should subscribe to the Rubes Letter, where what you just heard first appeared. You can find that at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And while you're at mattrubycomedy.com, you can also find links to my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, where I post clips of my stand-up and other stuff too. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media. 